Welcome to the Vancouver True Crime Podcast. This is the two-year anniversary special. I can't believe it's been two years, but hey, here we are. So in this episode, I'm going to speak to you about the evolution, the journey of making a podcast, all my stumbles, all my, you know, things that went on behind the scenes, where I am today, and what does the future hold for the Vancouver True Crime Podcast. So first of all, I want to appreciate and thank my supporters, my early investors that believed in me, my early supporters, some of the people I've been speaking to lately said, hey, I remember when your platform had 250 people. And now, here I am, over 20,000. On average, I hit about 100,000 accounts per week. And with impressions and everything like that, in June, the numbers hit close to 2 million. With all my other platforms that I'm on, from Spotify to iTunes to Google Podcast and go on and on. I have them on about 20 different podcast platforms. I have a pretty decent uh, presence on Facebook and I'm in the process of building the website finally. I know if you've been listening for a while, if you heard me mention a website, only so much one can do being a one man army, but that's all going to change soon. I'm going to break all that down. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is something I've wanted to do for 10 plus years, finally doing it, finally have the audience, finally have the engagement. I'm ahead and doing better than in my wildest imaginations and dreams. And I have you to thank because without your interest, none of this would be possible. And with the overwhelming support I get, it makes the haters, the trolls seem insignificant and they are, and we'll get to them shortly. So about 2018, I decided my life needed a change. I spent many years, decades, doing corporate sales, working for big companies, really high demanding jobs, paid very well, but extremely stressful. I learned about how to handle people, large transactions, and the art of the deal, and how to make deals and things possible. I had a lot of training in it, worked very hard at it and became very successful in it. But however, it does burn you out. And then when you have special needs children and everything else in life, it can take quite its toll on you. So with my skill set of being able to talk, being interest, being curious about stuff, being You know, always a person that always wanted to fight for the underdog. This, I decided to carve out something for myself, something that would be mine and no one else's. See, I I also worked in a, a lot of startups and the startups were probably some of the best business education that I possibly can get. You're working with, I was working with extremely talented people with amazing resumes who had you know, absolutely amazing backgrounds. I got to work very closely with some of the, you know, very high achieving people, people with PhDs, people with uh, data scientists, people that worked for Microsoft, people who worked in Silicon Valley. I uh, worked with um, 
uh, one amazing person who was uh, the uh, technical IT for Goldman Sachs. So I've worked with some of the very best people at the top of their games, and I try to absorb and learn as much as possible. However, like I've explained in other podcasts, sometimes relationships can break down, even with the best intentions. And I also watched how a lot of times in these types of environments, things break down. And, and, and that's a learning experience as well. So moving forward, I wanted something to build on my own, build my own platform, build my own thing. And I tried uh, some different directions before I came across or came to the true crime genre. So originally I was going to do something actually in the cannabis industry. 2018, cannabis was legalized and there was a lot of interest. And I also have, you know, I grew up in Vancouver. I grew up in BC. The grow up industry was a massive industry, billions of dollars a year that it made $7 billion in revenue. I've seen a lot of people with successful grow ups. If you listen to my podcast called Green Gold, the about BC, the grow up industry, I break it down pretty well. So I originally was going to do something in that. And originally I had someone reach out to me and they wanted me to go on a platform that reached millions of people. It was, a, it was an LA-based, um, Los Angeles-based platform. I was going to do a show on that. So I, 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 originally I was pretty excited about it. However, I stopped because, again, I'd be working on someone else's platform. So I decided to build my own uh, cannabis type of platform that was going to be uh, speaking about, you know, the pros, the cons, the benefits, the grow up, the legal industry, the, you know, really deep dive in that industry, because I, I do know a lot about that industry. And my, my, uh, I started a, an Instagram page and it did pretty well. It got up to about four or 5,000 pretty quickly within, I'd say, six, six, seven months. However... Anytime I try to do a little bit of advertising, I would get shut down from Instagram because it says, oh, you're drug related. So I got very frustrated and I would put a lot of times and I even, I even made a podcast and it, it, it wouldn't get promoted because it was a drug related uh, podcast. So therefore, uh, the platforms would not promote it. And, I, and it got very frustrating And because I saw that this was going to be a problem. If I spent like a week uh writing, producing, making a podcast, and then it was going to get virtually no views because it was being shadow banned because it was drug related. I, I knew that was not a winning um, combination to be successful. So I decided, uh, okay, well, why don't I make it under a true crime genre? And then they can't shadow ban me. And soon as I put up the Vancouver true crime and started posting immediately, I got a real overwhelming interest. So I knew I was hitting something. I knew I was tapping into something that there was a demand for, there was a lot of interest for, and, and I was filling a void that somehow wasn't getting filled. And, and what I think is, is that people are not consuming news like they used to. They used to consume news from newspapers. They'd watch cable TV when they'd come home, watch the evening news. And, you know, most people now get their news through the internet, Facebook feeds, maybe their Google or their, or their Apple feed. And, and a lot of times that news is kind of around the world. 
So I, I feel that I found a void of local news, local interests, local stories that people were hungry for. And, and I also added an advocacy element of it. I've always been interested in missing people. It's something that's always fascinated. Why do people go missing? There's many reasons why they do. And also to help spread awareness to the missing, murdered Indigenous women. My grandmother is Native American from the United States. Her people were from Louisiana and Texas. So I do it for the memory of her because she was a good woman and she raised a lot of children. And that's why my motivation is for that. Victims of crime, victims of women, of sexual assault, specifically creeps and pedophiles. And as I do it in the memory of my wife, my wife was a victim of a serial rapist. And I break all that down in various podcasts. I'm not going to get into that again because it pushes emotional buttons. The last podcast I did, I, I kicked off the Tainted Love series because, again, I explain it quite well in that podcast about how majority of crimes, of, uh, especially women who are victim of crimes, starts off with a relationship. And the relationship breaks down and then it turns toxic. Right? I, I get into that quite well in, in that episode or of that podcast. So again, uh, these are my motivations. This is why I'm doing it. So again, I, I created a platform that combines you know, breaking news, what's going on in Vancouver, stories about Vancouver, which I think there's a massive void for. And it's something that's always frustrated me is that you watch Netflix, you watch movies, mainstream movies, Deadpool, you can go on and on and on. You see Vancouver in the background being used in the movie, but very few stories or media or fictional or non-fictional that are mainstream where Vancouver is is the location rather than just being the film location. So I wanted to tell interesting stories about Vancouver. Vancouver has a very rich history. I'm a fourth generation uh, Vancouverite. My, on my mother's side, uh, who are Icelandic, they came to Vancouver in 1905. So our family on my mom's side has been here, here for well over 100 years. So the city means a lot to me. This city is not just a place I moved to. This place is like in my DNA. When I walk around the city, almost every aspect of the city, I have a memory. I went on a date there. I had a bad date there. I had a great date there. Did something crazy with some friends. I can go on and on. Each piece of the city has some kind of meaning to me because I have a memory, good or bad. You know, this city is, is my heart and soul, for better or worse. I talk about the underbelly of it because it doesn't get discussed enough. And quite frankly, I get tired of people glossing over and just calling Vancouver the most beautiful place in the world, the best place to live. Sure. If I had a hundred million dollars, this city would be absolutely the best place in the world. I just could imagine, you know, have a boat, have cars. You could have a place in Whistler, have, you know, amazing penthouse. You could have, you know, a beautiful house in Shaughnessy or in British properties or some other regal, you know, upscale neighborhoods. There's some amazing neighborhoods in Vancouver. There's some amazing beaches. I just went to Spanish Banks, possibly one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Absolutely gorgeous. Every time I go there, I can't believe that this is so close to me and I, I don't go more often. So it's a special place, but it's a place that I want to be able to talk openly. 
you know, warts and all. You know, there are some bad things to Vancouver. You know, the drug problem, the mental health problems, the housing problems, you know, the traffic problems, and they go on and on. The turnover of businesses, how hard it is for businesses to make it. So not to digress and just to want to touch on that subject, because if you listen to me, you know I like to bounce around a lot, but I'll try to stay focused in this one. So recently I posted about a man who obviously there's something wrong with him. You don't have to be a genius to come to that conclusion. So this man is going around to restaurants, ordering expensive food and meals and not paying his bill. So I posted about it. And most people, you know, say, hey, this, you know, this guy's bad news. And other people, oh, how dare you put him on blast? He has mental, he's mentally ill and this and that. And it's, and this is what the issue is. Now, I know the restaurant industry well. I've worked in it. I worked in the bar industry for a very long time. My dad is actually an executive chef. So I know the restaurant industry very well. To open up a business in Vancouver in the restaurant, food, and beverage industry, typically the person has to almost go without paying themselves for three years before they can make a profit. To give you uh, an example, I had a friend of mine who I was his personal trainer because I used to do personal training because I'm into working out and fitness and all that kind of stuff. And this guy was a wealthy guy from Hong Kong and he immigrated to Vancouver, and he owned five restaurants in Hong Kong. So, of course, when he came here, he wanted to open one up here in Vancouver. So he opened his location. It was on Camby and Broadway. No, no, not Broadway. Camby and 12th. And if, if memory serves me correct, I think he actually called, his, called the Cat's Meow Cafe. Maybe got the name wrong, but something cat meow in it. Anyways, so it was like a casual dining type of restaurant. So to get this restaurant open, he had to first, you know, get his GST license, which he had to pay his GST up front. He had to work with the province, get the get license under the province, and also with the city. And then anything he wanted to do, far as in building and improving city licenses, not to mention the restaurant license, the liquor license, the ice machine license, and each burner that he cooks food with had to be individually licensed. Then he also had to hire a, a chef, staff, maintenance, janitorial services, and you go on and on and on. He said he would be lucky if he makes a profit and start being able to pay himself. So when someone comes into an, a business, just like if they would go into, if you were selling shoes or if you were selling anything, watches, jewelry, um, hairdresser, if you were a hairdresser, someone comes in, you spend an hour on their hair and they decide, and they decide, hey, I'm not going to pay you, you know, fuck you. Or what if you're a contractor and you put in a balcony or a deck for somebody and they say, ah, I don't like the wood you used. You know, I don't like the color of the stain you used. I'm not paying you. This happens, right? But it's not right. If someone's cooking you a meal and, and a waitress or a waiter is serving it for you and they work on their tips and they work on their wages, you're, you're not only stealing from the restaurant, but you're stealing for someone most likely working because they have bills and stuff to pay and they're going without. 
because this person decides in and gets a free meal or is an expensive bottle of wine, chug-a-lugs it. Or one, well, actually one pub manager sent me a picture. He orders seven pints of beer, you know, got himself nice and good and drunk and not, no money. Forget it. I don't want to pay. Right. So when I see these comments, it bothers me because this is what's going on in our society. Now, I'm all for empathy, helping people in need. I help people way more than I should. You know, I'm a very generous person. You know, I, I you know, I can go on and on. You know, I, I feel that sometimes I'm too generous. But at the same time, we live in a society that we, we have to be fair to each other. And, and I'm starting to see this, and I'm seeing it in my comments, where, you know, no one's responsible anymore. You can do as much drugs as you want. You don't have to work. One woman, especially at this post, oh, if, if we give universal income, it'll solve it. So if this guy, so basically what she's saying is this. If the government pays him more than probably his welfare... Somehow, universal income is the answer from this guy stealing. So again, if you, want, if you had a shoe store and this guy came in and stole a pair of Nike Air Force One and put them on his feet, well, I don't have shoes. I need universal income. So like, like I said, we live in a strange time where no one wants to take responsibility. And I'm not saying everyone's like this because what I'm saying is common sense to most people, especially people who've had to do things on their own without any help. So I just wanted to address that. And this is now I'm going to go into the area of the trolls because it's the same kind of thing. So for the last three weeks, I've been dealing with some epic trolling. I don't really get a lot of trolls because usually as soon as someone's stupid, I just delete and block them pretty fast. But sometimes you get caught up in something. And, and for lack of a better term, sometimes you step in shit. That's just the, way to, the best way to break it down. You step in a big pile of shit that you didn't intend. And there's a saying, good intentions, the road to good intentions is paved in hell. So this started about, I'd say three weeks ago, behind the scenes, I was helping a friend out dealing with some pretty gnarly stuff, which I'm not going to get into it really gnarly stuff you know, basically involves these two real pieces of shit. I talked about them real slightly, brought it up on uh, the Maine and Hastings podcast that I've been a guest three times on. And, you know, I'm grateful having a guest spot on that show. And uh, hopefully it will continue for many, many years to come because they're amazing people and love them very much. So dealing with some pretty dark stuff, some pretty dark subject matter that, you know, I never thought I'd ever have to deal with. So my head wasn't really in the game, if that makes sense. So a lot of times I get approached by a lot of people. A lot of people approach me, you know, this guy or that guy's a bad dude. And you get a whole but overwhelming response about someone that's doing something bad. And there's this guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but I pretty much know everything about him now. I know he's homeless. I know pretty much what shelter he is. And he's not in Port Coquitlam. He's in another shelter. And I, I know I pretty much tracked him down. And, you know, I'm going to break down what's in store. But anyways, so this guy, what he does, he likes to troll people because he's a loser and he's homeless. Maybe he needs a universal income and he'll stop trolling. 
So what he does, he obviously has a little cell phone that has internet to has internet access. And when you go downtown, almost everywhere you go, there's free Wi-Fi waves and, you know, Tim Hortons and even the downtown core now has free Wi-Fi. So what he does, he uses free Wi-Fi to torment people. He makes fake accounts. He steals pictures of people's kids. And then he uh, starts writing you know, a person, that, the parent of these kids, you know, tormenting messages. He, he's a real piece of shit. He's an absolute piece of shit. And, you know, again, you know, someone's going to take his phone away. Trust me on that. Right. He, you know, the Vancouver is a small place. And when you're homeless and you rely on shelters, you know, you're pretty easy to eventually to track down, right? And I have some good trackers. We're going to get into that. So anyways, so I thought I'd make a post to saying, hey, you might want to block this guy. And I reached out to also a reporter that did a story about him, a, a reporter who works for City News. The reporter's name is Ashley Barr. She does a great job. She did a really a great breakdown. You get, yeah, you get the idea what this guy's all about. I'll repost it on my story. So you can watch that um, news clip that she did. So anyways, of course, I started getting trolled by this asshole. Pictures of my kids, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was pretty pissed off, you know, like, you know, like anybody. You know, we've been through a lot. If you listen to my podcast, last two years have been hell for me and my family. We have dirt a lot. We came out through. And now this motherfucker, excuse my language, is fucking with my kids. So... Trust me, not in a good mood. Uh, wouldn't have been good if I ever ran into this guy. You know, just trust me on that. Tough guy behind the keyboard. Guy looks like a big fat slug piece of shit. Most punchable face I've, I've probably seen in my life. So anyways, this guy's you know, he's, he, he's going to do it to the wrong person. He's going to poke the wrong bear one day and it's not going to end well for him. You keep bothering people. You keep, you know, messing with people's kids. You know, it's bad karma coming your way, right? So, I, you know, I was pretty flustered. I was pretty upset, as anyone who is a parent would understand. And these women joined me. Oh, we got these groups and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I joined this one group. It was on Facebook and there was one on Instagram. Now, again, I wake up. I see myself tagged. There's pictures of my kids. I'm pissed off. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a blunt person. I, I wear my feelings on my sleeve. What you see is what you get. I don't really censor or filter myself. If you listen to my podcast, I'm pretty open. I tell, talk about everything, even very embarrassing stuff, because it's the way I am. I'm, I'm, I'm brutally honest to a fault. If you, if you ever get to know me, you, you're going to learn everything about me, and there's nothing really going to be. I'm not going to really hide much from you. I'm just, just the way I am. I, you know, I can get emotional. I can be, you know, I, I, I have a, I have a dramatic personality. So I was pissed off and, you know, yeah, I was ranting a little bit in this group. Now, you know, with my resources that I have, that I built up, I do talk to some law enforcement people off the record and they don't provide me any secret information. They give me guidance of what the law and what I can do in a certain circumstance, um, no, I got a siren. Speaking of cops, you can hear a siren in the background. Perfect timing. So anyways, I reached out to a lady in law enforcement and I said, hey, what are my options here? And she, you know, broke it down. So I shared 
that with the group so they know what their options are. I had a lawyer already that was going to assume for slander, but the guy's homeless. What am I going to get out of a homeless guy? So not bothered with the lawyer. Uh, I could call the cops, but he's homeless. He's going to be moving around from jurisdiction from homeless to hell shelter to homeless shelter, right? But it's still, it's still an option. I still can call the police. I just, you know, I'm dealing with other stuff. That is still an option I call because he is a harassing piece of shit. And he's not just doing it to me. He's doing it to a lot of people if you watch the news report. So now on top of this, I got this asshole to deal with. I'm pissed off in this group. And I'm sharing this, and this one mouthy person in the group started attacking me, saying, I work with dirty cops, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was kind of irritated by it. So I got mad. You know, I don't care if you're white and 22 years old, or if you're a black man in his 50s. If you're ignorant or rude to me, I give, your, I give attitude that you're giving me back, just the way I am. It's not, I'm not going to be a doormat. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're, you're a 22-year-old white kid, so therefore, I should just kiss your ass. Sorry, you're rude, you're saying ignorant stuff, and, and wasn't impressed with their attitude when I'm trying to help them. So I actually tried to de-escalate the situation. I said, sorry, I'm just very passionate about this. This is my kids. I'm, I'm very angry, and I really hate creeps because my wife was a victim of one. Then I said, oh, they start saying, well, you're just saying that to make us to make them feel guilty, and my apology was not sincere. And I said, listen, I apologize. I can show screenshots. I apologize them 10 times. Sorry for escalating it. I just want... I was really upset because this guy has pictures of my kids, and I couldn't get through to them. They were, they were too busy being social justice warriors and talking about how they want to shit on cops' graves, and I work on with dirty cops, and I find that disgusting. I get it. There are cops that are probably assholes before they were cops, and guess what? They're still an asshole as a cop. But there's a lot of cops that do care, that do a good job, and I know it's popular to hate fucking cops. I get it. I get it. It's popular. Um, when my wife was uh, not doing well in the podcast that I break down, every time the cops were called because of my wife's behavior, they were nothing but kind, treated her respect. They never escalated. So I had respect how the police handled my wife in her mental health state and, and treated her with kindness and empathy. So I'm not, I don't advocate for shitting on cops' grave. I never will. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, I'm all about putting pedos human traffickers and other assorted pieces of shit in jail. And I can't do that. We need police to do that, right? Can't explain that to, you know, children who have never lived in the world and don't understand how the world works. You can't explain that stuff. And it's just more popular to say, oh, cops are pigs and blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't having that because this wasn't the venue to have this type of debate in the first place. So I found the conversation uh, extremely inappropriate in the first place. So anyways, moving forward, went on the Main and Hastings podcast. I broke down my side of the story. And, you know, I talked to Jamie, Herman, and Zach about what happened. And they were just saying, holy cow, you're trying to help these people. And they turned on you. So I thought that was the end of it. Now, a couple weeks later, I'm still working with the group that's against this troll on Instagram. Everything's cool. Uh, I got a, uh, from my friend who's a social worker who works in the downtown east side for the last 20 years, he gave me a, uh, a sheet with all of the homeless shelters that, that operate in the downtown east side. So I shared that with the group and I was cordial and stuff until one of the group members start talking about how we had a problem with Mark. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. You know, I didn't have a problem with you guys. You had a problem with me. 
And if you can't understand why I'd be pissed off that some creep, some slug-faced creep is posting pictures of my children and taunting me, then I don't know how to explain it to you, right? If you want to take a word out of my contents and decide I'm the bad man, fine. You don't need my help then. So, of course, you know, I get kicked out of the group, whatever. So I decided, you know what? Enough of them. I'm going to share what this group's all about. They're all about shitting on cops and wanting to shit on their graves. And so I posted it, you know, F them. This is what they're about. They don't care about the troll that's causing all this harm. They'd rather just spread their message of disgust and a breakdown of society. Okay, if, if there was no cops around and someone broke in your house, what are you going to do about a 22-year-old girl when some gang of crackheads want to break in and gang rape you? and steal all your stuff. Who are you gonna call, right? Your friend, you know, what, you're gonna, what are you gonna do? I hate to break it down to you, but you need cops. It's just the way our world works. We need firemen, we need ambulance, we need nurses, we need lawyers, we need teachers. It's the way our, the way our society's structured. So once I did that, holy cow, I got trolled yesterday. So yesterday I got nothing but death threats against my children. So this is the irony. There's a pig posting pictures of my, of my kids. I try to put a stop to it by helping other people. He's doing the same. When this group turns toxic, back to toxic relationships as a breakdown, which is the theme of my Tainted Love podcast. But I'm just saying, this is why I'm doing this podcast about the Tainted Love, because this happens over and over. And just like I was saying in my, my previous podcast, work relationships, all types of relationships, partnerships. People have different points of view. They don't want to listen to each other. And, and then it becomes a breakdown and it turns toxic. So here I am trying to help. And, and uh, my, my, now my pictures of my kids are being posted. I get pissed off about how they're treating me, even after multiple apologies. Nope, won't, won't have that because, oh, you're a bad man. And, you know, shitting on cops' graves are, is more important right, than trying to solve a problem that I'm trying to solve. And now these same people are now are sending me messages, making death threats about my kids. So at the end of the day, then who's worse, right? Is the person worse who's posting pictures of my kids and saying, now the people that I was originally going to help are now making direct death threats against my kids. So there you go. I'll let you, you know, people with the common sense listening, can see where I'm at. So because of that, moving forward, I have to make changes. I will no longer uh, accept any messages that are, you know, received messages that, of people who don't follow me. Uh, I won't allow comments on my stories and because I have to lock it down, right? Just because they say the few rotten apples spoil it for the bunch. And you know how many people used to contact me that I had no relationship with and I would help them and I'd provide resources and stuff and that came that way. So now people, people are now are going to lose out because of these people. But it is what it is. I have to protect myself, family first. So a, a little surprise for the trolls and the haters. So I've been, I work on a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I have multiple different directions that, you know, I, I was thinking about going. Because this is a fluid thing. You know, I... I, I, I the, the nice thing of having your own platform is that you can explore different avenues. 
So a while ago, about a year ago, I started another project. It was called Protect the Innocents. Protect the Innocents was a project to, to against human traffickers. And I'll post, a, I'll post one of my posts from it, which got over 35,000 impressions. And probably, I, I don't know, I'm going to look at it right now. Let me just pull it up here. So I started this project about last year. And one of, one of the guys, well, yeah, so 3,912 likes and the reach was 31,000. So I knew I hit something. And that the Protect the Innocence was against human traffickers, online bullies, cyber bullies, and people that use social media specifically to harass, to torment, to make death threats. And, and I reached out to a lot of people. I have member... I come from an IT background, 15 years of IT. I've worked, for, I've worked with a lot of people who worked for mainstream social media platforms, Google, uh, Hootstreet, Instagram, Twitter, Microsoft. I can go on and on. Silicon Valley. You know, this, this is my industry that I, I, I've been working in for the last 15 years. So I have a whole bunch of people that were going to volunteer that still are. And we we're going to do a project called Protect the Innocence. So when I saw the massive views, I say, why advertise? Why let them know that we're coming? Why, why, why tell them what we're going to do? So I had these resources in place over a year ago. And I'm going to post this, this post so you can tell that, you know, that yes, I, I actually did this. And, and this is for real. Right. So I said to them behind the scenes, these asshole trolls that are making death. This is a perfect opportunity to use our resources and go after them. And not only that, I have bailiffs, skip tracers, private investigators, lawyers and law enforcement. When you start calling, saying you want to shit on cops graves, guess what? You're going to piss off some cops. This Call me crazy. You know, people who put their life on the line and then some foul mouth says they want to shit on their grave. Guess what? You're going to get some attention. So obviously you wanted the attention, you know, you're going to get it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, you know, when people play checkers, I play chess. I think 10, 20, 30 moves ahead. Or, you know, just because I'm reacting one way doesn't mean that's how I'm going to always going to react. So anyways, we'll leave it at that. So some of the other things I want to talk about, because the trolls suck and whatever, you know, again, I'm making changes, not going to make it easy for them. People are not allowed to contact me, you know, from, from requested messages anymore. That shit's shut down. People can't tag me. They can't mention me anymore because I'm just sick of my shit with pictures of my kids with my name and stuff on it anymore. So that's being shut down and it is what it is. But I'm glad I found out this early. The podcast, the platform is growing at a massive, massive rate. This time last year, I was barely at 8,000. Now I'm at 20. Uh, do, looking at my trajectory, I feel by the end of summer, I'll be hitting and I'll be having over 30,000 followers. Just the way that the numbers and how things are just massively increasing as time goes on. Would I want to deal with all this shit when I'm at 100,000? When, when I'm, you know, of course not. So it's good that I got this stuff early, uh, shut, down, shut down the bullshit, and have a contingency plan for those who wish to do me harm. I've been a survivor. I grew up in East Van. I, I've done. You have no idea 
what savages people become when millions of dollars are at stake. I've been in environments where people fought each other tooth and nail over massive deals because these deals were going to change their life. When you see someone who's, say, making a few hundred thousand a year and they're working on something that can make them a few million and there's someone getting in the way of that, someone getting in the way and trying to disrupt that, you see what people are capable of. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen the real uh, savage, uh, reactionary, emotional response when someone is getting in someone's way of achieving their goals. I've seen it firsthand. I'm, I've been around for a long time and, and uh, I've used all those lessons for myself. I will do everything legally. I will not ever do anything that will break the law. And, and I have put together a numerous amount of resources to handle any threat because what this platform is based on is advocacy, entertainment, and now the third part is going to be producing revenue for me. For two years, I worked very hard under extraordinary circumstances, a wife failing health, a wife with mental health issues and a wife that died suddenly with two children with a big mess to clean up. And through that, I build a platform that's reaching millions of people. So now that I don't have that in my life and I am able to focus clear and have the ability to really focus on the next step, the next step is building this platform so it's a revenue producing platform so I can do better and bigger projects. Some of the projects that I'm really excited to do and I have some people that are very interested in coming in on with me would be the first one would be a documentary about the Highway of Tears. I've been up in the Highway of Tears is, is something um, when I first started this podcast, it was one of the first uh, things I did a real deep dive in. And, and I absolutely went into the darkest depression because of it, because each individual case is more horrendous than the next. And there's a lot of fallacies about these cases. A lot of times they say, oh, they're hitchhikers and stuff, which is bullshit. They're not all hitchhikers. Very few of them ones. I think most of the hitchhikers were like in the 80s and the 70s were the more, and maybe some in the 90s, but... Um, the ones that are the, the later victims had nothing to do with hitchhiking. Like one woman, for example, an eight, actually an 18-year-old teen, she went missing from a, a motel room that she was working as, as a worker, as a worker. You know, another woman who was a college a, a student who was up there just to visit her mother on a, on, a, on a spring break went missing at a gas station. There weren't hitchhikers. So I, 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 there's a lot of fallacies that I like to clear up. And there's been some great books written about it, and there has been some documentaries. But I think it'd be really great to go up there, show the locations, interview people, and show people that have to understand what the road looks like. Because I've traveled those roads. Those roads are, it's beautiful up there. But when you, when you're up there, you're just saying like, God, for, you know, God, you know, these, these poor women that met their end in such a, 
you know, desolate highway. It, it's, it's, you really get the feeling of, of uh, how, how frightening and terrifying that this would, this would be, uh, you know. So I, I, I want to really show that and break that down. And, and I think it's an important project that, that I'm very passionate about doing. So that's one of the first things I like to do. I'm also going to expand the podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more into the podcast and in the social media. So this is one of the issues that I had. The, the, the social media is great because it helps me um, get the podcast views up. Because when I post a podcast on the social media, people, you know, you, you get the numbers and the traffic and stuff like that. So when I'm working on the social media, I'm not working on the podcast. And when I'm not working on the podcast, people saying, when's the next podcast? When's the next? And, and I get it. You know, people like the podcast and I appreciate that. So I have a lot going on as far as podcasts go. I have some great guests. I, I reached out to this amazing dating coach from New York who's tough as nails, and she's going to talk about toxic dating. I have reached out to an author who's written many books. Her name is Maria Jones, and she's going to break down manipulation. And there's also another dude that David uh, introduced me to, and I'm going to work on more. It's still in the early stages. I got to read his book first, but he was a leader of a, a, a gang in Toronto called the Dirty Tricks Gang, and he has the, I think, the rec Canadian record for the most armed robberies. But he's, you know, obviously reformed. He's not robbing anymore. His story's fascinating, and quite frankly, I just love the name, the Dirty Tricks Gang. It's just I don't know, it sounds like a pretty cool name. I also reached out to a, a gentleman who was in Iraq and he was a contractor for Blackwater, something I'm very fascinated about. I'm fascinated about that world. Seems like a really cool dude. And and then and so on. There, there's quite a few other ones. There's, oh, I'm also a business coach that I reached out to. She's a, a, you know, a business expert and she's going to talk, we're going to talk about toxic business relationships because I've been in so many of those those are they're horrible when you have an amazing job and you're making good money but there's that one toxic boss or toxic coworker can make your life a living hell it happened to my wife the last job she had there was a baby boomer manager and made her life hell in her last days. We'll get into that too. So there's so much in the pipeline. I got another interview with David coming up. He, he dated a serial killer. That's going to be a fascinating uh, story. I've been, I've been talking with this boxer who has a very epic story. He did something terrible when he was young and he paid the price for it and he's still paying the price for it and he's trying to get his road back to trying to be a top contending heavyweight boxer and, and it's just like a, a, a story of perseverance and having to go through trial after trial after trial. The, why I like the story and why I think it's a good story to say, because life can be tough. Life can deal you some terrible cards. How you get through it, how you push through with it, how you get to the other side is very important. You could break down and become nothing, or you can use the terrible circumstances to mold you, make you tough as nails, and, and challenge it and come out on the other side. And I think that's the lesson for that. So there's so much in the pipeline. Oh, I got another Vancouver Beautiful Ugly that I've been working on. Some crazy stories. People seem to love the, the crazy dating stories that I got myself into. I got some more of those. And, and people particularly like the stories from the 90s. So I'm going to tell some more stories from the 90s of the crazy adventures I got into in Vancouver in the 90s. And I'm going to keep expanding and working on the, 
the Toxic Love series as well. Many interviews that I have worked up. So again, I'm going to be more podcast focused. The platform, I'm obviously going to still be on Instagram posting things that I feel important, missing people, missing murdered Indigenous women, um, tragic events, uh, breaking news, and anything else that I see important. But again, the energy right now is going to go into the podcast, start getting more podcasts out again, and, and I think that's important. So I'm going to leave it here. It's been an amazing two years. I've met so many amazing people that I talk to on a daily basis. People now I, now I call friends. And me building this platform has given me opportunities that I never even dreamed of. The type of people I, I meet now, the type of people that I actually can directly message, blows my mind. And without your interest, it wouldn't be possible. So again, thank you for listening you guys are amazing, and I really appreciate your support. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.